All right, so we're recording a new episode of the Q Chat, and I am super excited. I have a very special guest. She is Miss China, the writer. And say hi, Miss China. Hey, Miss China. Hello, world. So. Hello. I'm glad to be here. Yes, so Miss China, she writes some interesting books. So what we're going to do is I just want Miss China to give us some background on how she got started, how long she's been writing, and we're going to talk about some of the common themes that um she likes to share in her work. So I'm going to give Miss China the floor. Just give us some background on yourself, Miss China. Okay. Well, I, I will first like to say that um, as far as my writing career, because I can I can pretty much sum that up, I started writing officially a little over a year ago. However, writing in and of itself has always been a passion for me. I am a high school English teacher, so I pretty much write and teach writing every day. Mm. And I can go back a little bit further. Um, all of my my. Uh, close friends know that I've been writing a book for over 20 years. And let me explain it. <laughs> nice. Um, I was writing books about relationships forever. And every time I would meet someone or date someone, I would put a chapter in a book that is yet to be complete. So they would always say, well, you should write, you should write a book. You should, your life is like a book. So I have always known that eventually I would write, but somehow, you know, Faith works differently. The first book that I ever put out was not the book that they're waiting for. Although, it is amazing, but um, I have been creating a story again for almost 20 years. Wow. <laughs> so when it comes out, I can't wait to tell the world about it because it's, it's, it's been a long time coming for that one. Nice. So have you always just been writing as a child, too? Like, have you just always had that gift? Well, interesting, another interesting fact. Um, I have always written, but not books. Before I wanted to be anything, I wanted to be a rapper. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. So you know how to spit, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. I do. Well, I used to. Let me let, let me pull back. <laughs> um, I've been writing since like the fifth grade. So I've always written. I love metaphors. I love, like I said, I love the English language. I love getting a story across that way. You know, so... It's always been in me. It's, in, it's innate to just write. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> and pull audiences in with that. That is absolutely awesome. <laughs> so how many books have you written so far? Like, um, I know you said you have the one that you've been working on for 20 years. Do you have any other write-ins that we can access? Yes. As of right now, in, as of May of 2019, I put out... My first book is actually co-written. Uh, my co-author's name is Bishan Duh, Arthur. And we put out a book in May of last year titled Tangled in a Lover's Web. Mm. So we have Tangled in a Lover's Web that was released. It's kind of like the parent book is what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. And as we were writing the book, it's, it's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. But um, as we were writing the book, I told him, I said, you know, because I'm a descriptive writer. Let me just put it out there. All of my characters, anytime I've ever written, all of my characters can stand alone. They can carry their own book. Mm. So I told him, I said, hey, let's spin off this book and then come back with a part two later on. So he said, okay. So he uh, came back with the first spin off, which is called Be Shun, How It All Starts. And that one was released, I think, in October. December, I came back with Lacey, K 
caviar to collard greens. And again, both of these characters are from the main book, which is Tangled in a Lover's Web. And we are in the process of writing Tangled in a Lover's Web 2, um, Collapsed Web. So that should be out early spring. Okay. And so as of right now, I'm actually two books in. That is <laughs> One wonderful. One book that I've written by myself, and that was Lacey. That is excellent. All of them are available on Amazon. So tell us some about Lacey, um, some things about her, because that's one thing I wanted to do in this particular episode. I wanted to play off some of the themes that you write in your book. So tell us some about some things about Lacey, and that way we can, you know, dive into some of the topics that you discuss. Absolutely. Uh, well, first of all, let me say, Lacey, the original title for the book was called Oreo Cookies. Oh. And... <laughs> I was playing off of the term, um, the it's kind of like it's a racist term, if I were to look at it that way, but it's called uh, calling someone an Oreo, which means that they're black on the outside and everything inside of them is white. Mm. They talk white, they, they live white, or they act, you know, as far as what society may say. Right. Well, Oreo Cookies was the original name. But I was sitting in a, uh, a writing session a couple of months back, and the term caviar the collard greens or the idea popped out and everyone in the session said, that's it. Go with it. So <laughs> the title of the book became Lacey, Caviar to Collard Greens. Now, in the book, the, the young lady is what I would call, she's stuck between two worlds. And when I say that, it's, 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 she was born into a black world. And somehow she ended up with white parents, and I don't want to give the story away, of course, but right, don't she ended up don't with give white it parents. all because we want people to go <laughs> ahead and read the book, but definitely give us a good background. So she ends up with white parents, you said. Yes, and not just not just regular <laughs> white parents. Her parents are like filthy rich, mm. and they come from what some of us call old money. That's the money that's generational. They ain't it ain't going nowhere. So these she ends up in this white wealthy world and I made sure when I wrote Lacey I wanted her to be not you know, I, I, I kind of made her like she's a, a beautiful chocolate girl she so she definitely would stand out in a courthouse Correct. and she has okay. these beautiful eyes and, and there's a reason why I gave her the eyes that I gave her because like I said this book is a spinoff from the main book but she grew up in this world she didn't have any friends um, she did later on in life meet this one young lady who just so happens to be the granddaughter of the mayor. Now, the setting of my books is in, is in Memphis, and a lot of my setting and a lot of the things that take place goes all the way back to the 1960s. And, and um, who, let me interrupt you for a second. Are you from Memphis? Yes, I am. Born and raised. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Born and raised, and there's been stories about, you know, the civil rights movement in Memphis for years and the mayor at the time. So I kind of took some of that history and I poured it into the story. And in that, this young lady grew, grew up in one of the surreal neighborhood in the city and it's called River Oak, but she, she just never fit in. The color of her skin made her not be able to fit in and the way she spoke, it's like in the white school that she went to, they didn't appreciate her sounding like them so to speak. They said that she was a joke. Mm. <laughs> and obviously they had this preconceived notion about how black people should speak. And because she spoke like them, they called her an Oreo. So mind you, 
she's being called an Oreo amongst what she considers her peers. Right. Well, the book takes a, take a twist, and she somehow ends up in the hood, in a black neighborhood, not not a middle upper class black neighborhood. She ended up in in a low, like right above the poverty line. The hood, hood, right? The hood, hood, absolutely. <laughs> and now, mind you, she she speaks one way, she looks one way, she thinks one way. She thought that all kids got a pony on like their tenth birthday, or they got brand new cars on the three sixteen, and they took ballet lessons and do it and did all of these things because she didn't know any different. So when she gets to the hood. She meets people that are barely eating. Mm. She learns about pawn shops. (laughs) She learns about urban high schools where the teachers do more disciplining than they do teaching. Because there's a scene in the book where she said that, goodness, I could teach these classes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because her education, the education that she was now... She had this excellent education, gotcha. So now she's in a, a, a different, entirely different environment, basically, right? Yes, absolutely. She um, she would say that, you know, in my old school, if I got anything less than a B, less than an A, my parents would give me a tutor. Well, the students that she was meeting at this black school didn't know what a tutor were, was, and their parents couldn't afford it. Mm. So it was a completely, completely different world. She, she ran across young ladies who were strippers or prostitutes or things that, in her mind, she said, there's no way, I can't imagine ever dreaming of selling my body. So she was being very judgmental. So again, she wasn't accepted in the world of caviar, the white world, and she was not accepted in the world of college because they felt like she was always judging them when she was just trying to be herself. Mm. So, like I said, the, the book flip-flops back and forth, and she learns along the way. Uh, who who she really is? Like she she's learning that you don't judge black people and you don't judge white people for not understanding. You educate them. So it's 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 an amazing coming of age story. And most people that have read it, they they think it's phenomenal. But I I wasn't afraid to go there mm. with stereotypes or anything. I put it all out there. <laughs> so what did you draw from to write that? You know and. What made you draw to put out there just different stereotypes? And I know how you mentioned she quote unquote talk white, because I think that's one thing that we tend to do even now. We tend to place stereotypes on how we should be as African-Americans, especially African-American women. Where did you draw the inspiration to write that? And if you had to look at what takes place now currently, what do you think is similar? Like, do you think this kind of draws on, like, we like to refer to a term called code switching or, mm-hmm. like, where where do you think this kind of ties into as far as day-to-day things that take, takes place now, you would think? Well, that, I can, let me back up a little bit. For inspiration for the book, I can say that there was a point in my life where I was lazy. Mm. Um my, I, I grew up until the age of eight years old in what one would call a, a black neighborhood. Neighborhood. I was, my street was full of single mothers, single black mothers, and they depended on each other. I had babysitters. My mother worked at a, a factory. She worked at Kellogg's company, and they were doing the best they could. So I didn't have my father in my life either. Well, my mother remarried when I was around nine, and we moved to a neighborhood where I had. There were doctors on my street, mm. black doctors. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was a, a pretty middle, 
the upper class neighborhoods mixed black and white and all of the kids in the neighborhood uh, for the most part had their their fathers at home with them so they were getting great education and i i saw this and then i switched high school but this is the interesting part Mm -hmm. the high school that i was in would have been middle class to upper class black people so we were getting a great education it was no um brain work for anybody to know that they weren't going to college. That was like expected. You were going to Spelman, you were going to Morehouse, Hampton, Harvard, whatever. It was a norm. Well, something happened to me and I ended up in the hood of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And when I walked through the door, the first thing that hit me in the face was the smell of marijuana. I was in the 10th grade. I had never smelled it before. Mm-hmm. Didn't know. Wow. So you I, smelled I, it in the school. They, yeah, in the school. That, that my first day, there were two pregnant <laughs> girls fighting. I had never seen pregnant high school students in my life wow. i didn't know that that was okay like i thought that that was wrong to be pregnant in school so mm. <laughs> right so i was lacy and i grew up really quick so they called me white girl they they made fun of the way i spoke they made fun of the fact that i couldn't hang out all night with them i had a curfew mm. and you had structure <laughs> too busy. Mm. <laughs> you know to be concerned and there were no fathers at home for the most part so i wasn't I, I, that part i can relate to so the interesting part I, there were some parts of their lives that i took you know from people that you know students at that school and then there were some of my own so i kind of got stuck between two worlds i had friends in this world and friends in this world and i found myself cold switching <laughs> mm. So for people so I, who may be tuning in, who may listen to this later and they don't know what code switching is, do you want to give the definition of what we know code switching to be? Because believe it or not, and I just learned this recently, not everyone even knows what code switching is, which shocked me. But do you want to enlighten and give the actual definition of code switching? Sure, I can give the... I'm going to give you the, the gist of it. If you wanted to, to read that one, uh, the actual definition, that's fine. But the code switching, the gist of it is just switching your language. However, honestly, it's bigger than what the the um, dictionary says. But it's switching your language to fit in into whatever environment that you need to fit into. Um, the, the group of people that are really labeled as being code switchers in a lot of cases, is, is African American, right? Because we have our own language. It's very colorful. We always have. We say things like, "I'm finna go to the store," <laughs> and then if we change that, it's still fixing through, which is still wrong. And you know, if you look at the English language, but we we have like it's considered dialect, but we understand each other. Uh, I'll our, take in our it. And in our communities, we understand each other. Right. And I'll but. take it a step further. Like, I was in a situation where I worked for a company where I was the only African American in my, in my department. So, code switching to me, it even goes beyond language. It's like, it's, it's literally immersing yourself, switching back and forth between different cultures. You know, when right. I was in that situation, oh, they talked about certain things like, you know, certain music, certain movies, just certain genres that I may not follow regularly. I knew exactly what they were talking about. You know, it's like, it's just playing along, I guess is the best way to put it. But, and you're correct, there's certain things you definitely wouldn't say, you know, once you switch your code in a particular direction. 
you know. So I'll take it like a step further. Like it it goes kind of beyond how you may speak, which of course we all have our little, our phone voice, our customer service voice, which we're not going to have with our friends, you know, an urban air quotes (laughs) culture, but it's also like a persona and how you come off, you know? So that's my thing with code switching, you know, just your persona, your personality, everything, you know, you just turn on that switch to acclimate to the culture that you're around at that moment but that's not generally you know what you may do normally so that's how I take it I take it a step further than you know what we say absolutely it's it's definitely broad and with me being let's just say this when I first started teaching I've been teaching for about seven years and when I first started teaching I was teaching alternative kids which means that most the 99.9 percent of my students were black and they came from that uh, lower middle class, well, not even middle class. Let me go further than that because a lot of my students were foster kids. So they didn't have either parents. Mm. But the way I taught them was different. After doing that for about five years, I moved to a predominantly white school. And I had to check myself every morning that I walked into the classroom to remind myself that I'm teaching from a different socioeconomic background. So I had to go back and revamp lessons and a lot of things that I was able to do with the other students I couldn't do with these. And it, it bothered me so. Like, it completely bothered me that I had to adjust. Right. And I was told by administration that, oh, I've been called by my the predominantly white school. I've been called ghetto. And I'm the teacher. <laughs> wow. <laughs> by my students. Yes, I've been called ghetto or hood. These are just a little mumblings that I heard in the classroom, and I and I can be honest and very transparent, as a teacher, it would blow me away that I found myself trying to make sure that I spoke what is considered the king's English properly when I'm the teacher. So I almost felt, in some cases, and I've gotten a hold on that, thank God, inferior to my students. Wow. And it, and it was hurtful that I, I didn't really know their neighborhood or way of life because I've gone to predominantly black schools my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So even I'm, I told Switch every day now. Every day. And that's, about the parents. And that was going to be my I next dress. question. Do you find that you still have to code switch? So you, you know, you definitely are answering my question. So even now you feel like you still have to do that. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Every day when I have like and like I said, I'm being very transparent. I'm always a transparent person. Um, when we have parent-teacher conferences, I make sure that I look a certain way. And I make sure because I've had, and this is not something that I'm making up. I've actually had parents to call me out on being professional when I felt that I was very professional, but I wasn't professional in the eyes that they think that I should be, which would be the, the eyes of maybe like the majority of that particular school. So when you said said changing your appearance, like in what way did you feel you had to change your appearance? Like, and that's another, that's an important point that you made. Code switching even goes to our appearance sometimes, especially for African-American women. You know, we know that's a big thing right now, like in workplaces or just in life, people will judge Mm -hmm. us based on if we're wearing an ethnic hairstyle and some of us choose to switch and say, hey, well, I'll just water it down and not be as bold, yeah. you know, to be accepted, which is 
unfortunate that we have to do that. But I'm, I love that you mentioned appearance because that is another thing I think that we struggle with. So in your experience, what did you have to do as far as your appearance you felt, you know, in order to switch? Okay. Now, for instance, if let's just say I'm going on a job interview or I'm meeting with administration or uh, somebody from the county office, if I'm wearing braids, I actually, when I know that I have something to do with, you know, administration or something or parents, I will go home and take the braids that may be hanging all the way down to my backside and flip them into a nice neat bummer so mm. that they won't be hanging all over the place, which may be, you know, really nice to me, but I have gotten some crazy stares and it bothers me. Don't get me wrong. It absolutely bothers me that I can't walk in there like that. As a teacher, I don't get burgundy braids or green braids. Not mm. that I normally would do that, but if I wanted to, I feel as though I can't. Right. I don't get these tricked out looking hairstyles. Like I have a friend that's a, a, that's a hairstylist and I envy her because she can do all types of things with her hair that I am kind of leery of doing. However, my counterparts, some of my, um, my colleagues, they will come in there and pink hair and green hair and all of these things. But I look at the the, the other teachers, the, <laughs> the African-American teachers, and I'm like, I wonder what would happen if we tried it. Oh, well, you know what would happen. I love how you just mentioned that because same thing when I worked in, you know, this business professional setting. Um, mm-hmm. Now, mind you, I'm natural. So I, I would, mm-hmm. <laughs> with me, the funny thing was I would change my hair a lot. So one minute my hair was short and curly. Next minute I had braids. Next week I had crochets. Next week, you know, if you name it, I did it. And it's so funny. Like whenever I would blow out my hair, everyone was like, oh my God, your hair is so beautiful. You know, and I kind of felt that way. Like I would have my counterparts, air quotes, they would come in there with purple hair, (laughs) blue hair, green hair, and they were in managerial positions. And it's like, yeah, hmm, interesting. Like, let me walk up in here with some blue hair. And I would think that all the time, like, I know if I walked in here with blue hair, it would be considered air quotes ghetto. But mm-hmm. when the counterparts do it, they're being edgy are different. But I feel like if we go that route, right. it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> What you know, they have to look twice right. at us. And the funny thing is, with code switching, like I have a quote unquote ethnic name. My first name is Sharonda. So when you see my okay. name, people, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't, I haven't come across any other ethnicities with that name. If they have any, hey, let me know. Right. So I would find, even if I would send emails to people, I felt that they would address me in a rude manner because they assumed just even by a name, you know, and sometimes what I would do, because my middle name to me is the exact opposite is Anne. So sometimes a lot of times I would make a point to have both names in there to just spice it up. Like, um, hello, like you don't have to judge me based on a name, but code switching even goes as far as that. You know, there's a lot of people I think that have probably changed their names because it was a little too ethnic you know, in a workplace or professional settings, you know, so I think code switching even goes that far, you know, <laughs> on oh, even yeah. your your name, you know, I just think it all boils down to, to like you said, stereotypes and people judging 
based on the silliest things, but it still happens today. My 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 father, he, he <laughs> my father's seventy years old, and he had no problem saying that when he was naming his children, he said, Mm-mm. "I just," he said, "There were no." Uh, and this is not offensive. I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone that's listening, but you know, this, I'm quoting my dad, and like I said, he comes from a different generation. But he said when he was naming his children, he thought long and hard, and he said, "Nah, this, I'm going to stay away from those ethnic names." So he came up with like my, my big brother's name is, is Kenneth, and then my little brother's name is Michael. So he <laughs> he made sure that he came up with names where he said that his children could walk into any environment. Like, I have a Stacy for a sister, and I'm Mallory. So these are children that were named in the 70s, and he thought way ahead to make sure that his children could walk in any world. Now, I, I write under the name, and I'm being transparent again, I write under the name China, but my name is actually, my actual name is Hindu. So, I and I kind of, you know, kind of, you know, sometimes when you're writing and people don't accept some of the things that you write, you kind of try to keep your what is it your your pen name right but yeah my my name is it's, it's hindu and my mother i'm named after my mother so i came from a a world where it's like my parents were preparing me to be able to code switch like i came out of the womb knowing <laughs> that i was going to have to code switch it's great because wow. that's how they taught us and you know <laughs> that's another good point that you brought up which i think is another layer to code switching, which I'm glad I brought up the whole thing with the names. I think that's a new thing now, too. I think, you know, I don't know about other ethnicities, but I know for African-Americans, that is a common thing. You know, when you're having a child and you're thinking, well, hmm, I got to watch what, you know, let me think hard about this child's name. Because I think yes. I think it's an unspoken thing. We know that we get judged by our names. If I'm wrong, whatever. Oh, yeah. But I know from my personal experience, I know I get judged all the time. So having an ethnic name. And then the funny thing about it, from my experience, out of all my siblings, I'm the only one that has an ethnic name. My other siblings oh, do wow. not. So same thing i was born in the 70s but i was born in 1977 literally two months after roots aired so it was like trendy that particular year all of a sudden everyone wanted to you know experiment you know everyone had been influenced by that movie and kunta kente and people was getting you know ethnic names i don't know if it continued a lot after that particular year but i know the year i was born i know a lot of people that have ethnic names and for me and i'm not knocking ethnic names so i don't want anyone to misinterpret what i'm saying um but out of my siblings i'm the only one that had the ethnic name because the year i was born and plus i don't have any younger siblings so um well i i have i was born in the same year that you were born okay okay (laughs) And when I was in school, I have, I know at least four Kunta Kente. Like, that's their name. And I, and they hated it. Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> they hated every bit of it. Every time the teacher would call a roll, they would cringe. And then they would say, I don't know why my parents would do that to me. I don't, I don't want to be named Kunta Kente or Kizzy. I know about three Kizzy's. So believe me. Oh, I know I a few kids as well. Off with those names. Right. But you know, the thing about it is, I think it's sad, though, that in our culture, and I'm not saying all of us, but there are some of us that have had some issues with the ethnic name, but any other race is not an issue. 
And I know mm-hmm. um, it's the actress who was on Orange is the New Black. What is her name? Um, to play Crazy Eyes. She has an ethnic name. And she had a story where she was telling her mother or something. She, she shortened her name. And she's like, well, when people from other cultures have particularly cultural names, people take the time to learn their names and pronounce it correctly. So you don't need to water yours down. And that spoke out to me a lot because... Right. I would get very annoyed when I worked in this environment where I was the only African-American and I would get people on the phone or every email had my handle on it and they would always mispronounce my name. And I felt like if my name was Christina, you wouldn't going to you was you wasn't going to turn around and call me Karen. You would apologize and say, oh, I got your name wrong. But when they mispronounce right. Sharonda and totally even change the spelling when you see it on an email, you know, like you just disregarded it. And I said it one time in the office. I'm sure they probably were like, really? Like, she just, ugh. you know, but I'm like, <laughs> you guys don't understand that. You know, if I had a a regular air cult name that was not ethnic and you mispronounce it, you would profusely change it. If my name is Chris, you're not going to accidentally call me Cole. You know, you're going to correct yourself. But why is the ethnic name not of value to you? And we that's one thing I wish we didn't have to do as far as the code switch. And I'm not saying everyone does it. But I think in the back of our minds, some people mention, oh, well, you know, people have judged me by my name. I would would be shocked if I came across some people with the ethnic name that hasn't had some instances where people have misjudged them. Or just seem like they just didn't care about pronouncing it right or spelling it right. It's like, okay, what's the difference? If you meet someone from a different country, they're definitely going to have an ethnic name and people take time to learn it. You know, and I would be curious to actually talk to someone that's not from this country to see what what was their experiences regarding their name, for instance, and have they had to do any level of code switching because now that we talk about it, I bet you some other ethnic, you know, ethnicities, you know, people from other countries have probably had to even adjust to depending on their environment. Some of them may have experienced that where they felt the need that they had to adjust, which, you know, I think is a shame, actually. Right. I um, actually, I know it had to be 15 years ago. There was a Lakeisha that called in. So it, it, it actually, her name that we typically may have there are other ethnicities with those names, but there was a Lakeisha that called in, and she was white. And I remember I was mm. working at the call center, and when she gave me her name, I was writing it down, and I didn't, I didn't say anything. She jumped right in, and she said, yeah, I'm white. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And, she, and I said, well, I, I said, I was wondering, but I was not going to say. She said, no, I get it all the time. I am white, and my name is Lakeisha. Wow. <laughs> so it's it just that, and she said that she wasn't very proud of her name. Whoa, isn't that something else? Lakeisha. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So it, it, it's just interesting. I said, so wait a minute, maybe it's just a name. It doesn't belong to anybody's ethnic group. It's just they don't like the name, period. <laughs> Right, but that was—I would never forget that because she hated, she hated her name. She didn't wow. like to be put in a box, and she didn't like to be judged. Mm, how ironic! <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Yes, I know. I, I mean, like seriously. Yes, I know. Other than code switching, <laughs> what are some of the other things that you tend to write about in your work? Well, this one is one that many women. 
they they would probably say, no, no, be quiet. But I am working on a book. I've already put the cover out in the first chapter of that book. Well, the first story in that book is actually in the back of the book, Lacey. But the book is called, This Ain't What You Want, I Promise. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got it. De- you definitely got to elaborate. <laughs> okay, it's a term that I kept hearing over and over and over again for years. People kind of choose it like the period at the end of the sentence. Oh, this ain't what you want, I promise. To, to let somebody know if you keep messing with me, something don't happen. So <laughs> I took the term, and, it's, and I made it the title of the book. And it's about women who are unfaithful. So oh, good whoa. <laughs> Okay, so women who are unfaithful. Okay, I definitely need you to elaborate on this. I can hear you, sir. No, so you're talking about women who are unfaithful. I definitely need you to elaborate on this one. Okay, well, the, the, the idea came from, and, and I'm, like I said, again, I'm transparent. When I was younger, I was that woman. I didn't, I didn't want to be married. Mm. I didn't. And that was, if that saying was popular then, it would have, I put it, I would have put it on a t-shirt. But Whoa. I would always be very transparent in saying, you know, I don't want to be a wife. I'm not looking for that. Matter of fact, from the point that I started dating until I was like 30, I woke up at the age of 30 and I said, well, I want to be a wife now. <laughs> <laughs> but before then, I was not the, I was not the one to miss it. So I, I, I sympathize and I empathize rather with men when they tell their story and they'll say i've changed or i'm not that anymore and then i'll hear women say once a cheater always a cheater i'm like oh wait a minute that's not true you got to know the man Mm. it's like i'm coming from a place of i understand their pain so if there were a conversation on cheaters i would stand on the side with the man because you have so that i could tell the story of we're not perfect so that's what the book is going to be, five stories of five instances where I was the one that messed up. Mm. And it was me trying to pull it back, trying to apologize, darn near begging, and it was a no-go. And it's my fault. So, <laughs> so that's what this thing, what you want, I promise is about. Wow. So... <laughs> Just speaking on the subject of cheating, did you find that like, so in these relationships where you said you were, you know, the one cheating, did you like start off like from the beginning, like you knew that you were going to be unfaithful or did it just happen? Yes. Yep. I started off knowing it. Oh, wow. Wow. So <laughs> I knew it, but I, I, like I said, there wasn't a term being, but I told them and each time that I cheated, I told them I cheated. And mm. guess what? In a lot of situations, they stayed. Mm, wow. They stayed. So when I look at women in those situations, I say, man, I, I understand why she's staying because I know men that have done the same thing they say, and they're so in love, and they can't understand. There's even a story in the book of two men that ran into each other, and they ended up hanging out just so they can, they can have the woman. Mm. Like, they, they got along. It was weird, but I see men do that all the time. Really? Like, the women are so, their self-esteem is so low that they will accept him having another woman and be okay with it. Now, I so, know, like, a big thing now is open relationships. Do you oh, think I that's, that is that Horrible. the same thing, you think? Because I'm still kind of 
cloudy well, on this whole open relationship notion. Well, you know what? Have you heard of the term poly? Polyamorous. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, poly. Oh yeah, I've yeah. definitely heard of yeah. polyamorous. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I have some friends that have done that, and open relationships to me, and like I said, I hate the term. I hate all of those terms, and the only reason I hate them is because to me, and I'm gonna sit out there, and I don't care who has anything to say about it. That's an opportunity for somebody to still hold on to you mm. and do what they want to do. I totally agree. So if I mean, the woman is doing it. If the man is doing it, hmm? I totally agree, and I'll be totally transparent. I was actually, I dated someone who we never. So we dated, and this person was like always anti titles, right? So I'm just like, you know, red oh, flag yeah. right there. <laughs> but then they finally came out and said that supposedly. In the past, they were in a polyamorous relationship with two dip- with two other women. Okay, and the three of them just mm-hmm. had like a quote unquote normal relationship. Okay, and uh-huh. in, in addition, you know, they mentioned that they were interested in open relationships. Now, I'm not judging other people, but for me, I feel like that's just like you said to me. Like I said, I don't want to offend anyone, but for me personally, I felt like okay, that's just basically saying I want you to stick around. Why I do do my thing, you know, and I, I'm not judging, but that's the way I interpret it. It, you know. So, right. do you think? See, I'm trying to, I guess, see if there's a bridge between. Do you think if more people were in quote unquote open relationships, it would kind of curb the notion of cheating? Honestly, I think that it would make it worse. Well, actually, if you're in an open relationship, then the term cheating wouldn't apply at all. Right. But do you think, like, if a person just said from the beginning, oh, hey, you know, I'd rather open relationship. I'm just going to do my thing with a ton of people, but me and you are still in a relationship. Do you think that would just, that's the solution to cheating, maybe? To those who would be interested in it. But I I would like to know what's the benefit in that situation. I really, I really would like to know what's the benefit because I'm going to tell you. If if you're in an open relationship, I wonder what the stipulations are because there have to be some type of ground rules. And in that, do you just sleep with that person? Mm. Is it, do you sign something that says you wear condoms? Because guess what? It does not take away the fact that STDs are out there. Right, so disease is real. <laughs> disease is one hundred percent real. That means that you're increasing your chance of, of catching something. I'm mm. not gonna play that thing. Right. <laughs>
to get his needs met. So that the other woman would be the one that Whoa. would satisfy those needs, and he would in turn take care of her, and then the woman he was with too. That I kind of like drew a question mark in my head. I'm like, <laughs> I, I I'm not even gonna speak on it because I don't know how that how that would how that would feel, you know. But that yeah. is one that I couldn't. I didn't even know how to. It's too much confusion, me personally. It just sounds like a lot of confusion. I can't lie. It really sounds like a lot of confusion. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. Wow. And it takes a strong person, I think. It takes a strong man or a strong woman to be in an open relationship. And I've heard people stay for for money reasons, children, and all of that. So it's like they're still in the house with their, you know, with their significant other but they're allowed to roam the streets and do what they want because they're only in the house for uh, financial reasons or children or, or business or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, that's strange. Right. <laughs> I know me personally, when it was presented to me, I was just not interested because... I don't, I just, I don't, I don't see the purpose of it. And like I said, I'm not knocking other people because it seems like it's this new popular thing. But to me, it just kind of waters down commitment. I just think it's because some people are just too immature to commit to a person. So it's like, oh, let me present this whole open relationship notion. So if, so I won't be accused of cheating, you know, so I, you know, which I don't know. I well, just on think the, it's on the same BS. Token, you can kind of look at that almost as being admirable that they're honest. That is true. That is another way. And then cheat. And and I really think that's all it is. It's like, okay, well, let me just be straightforward from the beginning. I'm not going to even make an effort, though. That's the thing that kind of triggers me. Like, is it because you won't even try to make an effort to just be faithful? And I'm not knocking. Why? And I'm not saying that every I don't. Okay, so I know that's one big debate about monogamy. I'm not saying every single person walking this earth is designed for monogamy. Okay, um, so I'll put that out there. But as far as the whole open relationship thing, because that is the notion of, okay, I'm dating. Tom is dating Jane. Okay, uh-huh. Tom has decided, hey, I want to stay with Jane, but I also want to date Sue, Sally, Moe, and everybody else. And I want Jane to agree with this and see how that works. So it's like, is that just a lazy <laughs> way to just say, well, I just don't want to even bother to commit to a person, you know, that's, I don't know, you know, but then on the flip side, like you said, I do agree. At least, at least you are being honest, but I don't necessarily give people a gold star for that because I feel like in some instances, I'm not saying all because there's some people who have open relationships and they're cool with it, you know, but I'm just saying in some situations, I wonder if it's just one person making an excuse to just not want to even bother to try to commit to a person so you know to each his own right but i always have a lot of questions right regarding the whole notion of open relationships so i know you said that um you know what you i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no i was actually going to to add in uh another um um subject Mm -hmm. in the first book tangled in a lover's web it addresses the idea of the one that got away that's one that i a lot of people like to talk about because the the one that got away walks into this story and everyone everyone's life is turned upside down because <laughs> if you were if a man were immature when he met what would have been he considered the love of his life and then he goes on and he marries someone else 
but she returned, what happens? Mm. <laughs> because the whole idea of the concept of life is short, I thought I thought she was gone. I never thought I'd meet her or him again because it, it goes both ways. And so that is a conversation that I love to have with people. Like, what do you do? Do you, if you realize that you're still very much in love with this person, do you walk away from what you built? Mm. Or what, what do you do? That's a tough one. <laughs> but I, I'm a strong believer that you got one life. And <laughs> if your heart is somewhere else, you kinda, yeah, you should follow your heart. Put your priorities in order. I yeah, think, I'm a believer. Follow your heart. Oh yeah, definitely. I I kind of feel like you know, like I said, to each his own. I think everyone has unique situations, and I know like we live in a world where it's like, oh well, you know, if so and so, if y'all split, you should never get back together. It's not. It's not that simple. Sometimes I think we all have that one. You know, if we're lucky. Mm-hmm that was like that one and sometimes yeah. it does not work and it's easier said than done <laughs> if that if let's say that person who you knew in your heart was the one yeah what if that person came back and whatever issue you guys had there's a way to work through it would you seriously throw that away like I mean that's yeah right you know I don't know too many people that would be like well I'm not going to even take a chance on it and that is the that's one of the beauties of life like it says you only have one life to live you know like the saying goes such as life things aren't going to be perfect but hey but that is a very yeah, interesting I, I, one. Oh yeah I, I know of a couple recently both of them walked away from their spouses both of them mm-hmm. just to be together I was like, whoa, that's cold. <laughs> but yeah. they, they are very much so happy. They, <laughs> they went for it, and I just that's what made me start thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. That's a tough one. <laughs> right, and it is. I think in certain things like that, it really is a case-by-case situation you know, because you never know. There's been stranger things <laughs> that have happened. Love is a weird thing, is all I can say. <laughs> Right, right. A very weird thing. What are some of the other subjects that you talk about in your works? Um, of course, uh, infidelity, adultery within a marriage. I'm, I'm not uh, married, but have you ever oh, been married? I can. No, I've never had the opportunity. I just, like I said, I was. <laughs> this ain't what you want. I promise. I got <laughs> and you. I, and what? And what's funny I don't is ever since you. I decided that I wanted to be a wife, and nobody decent came along. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, that is <laughs> also a dilemma that some of us face. <laughs> now, as far as infidelity, <laughs> do you think infidelity is a deal breaker in a relationship? Oh, people are not going to want to hear when I say this, but I'm going to tell you, uh, years ago I was talking to a married woman, and she gave me a good point on that. Well, she, she made a good point. She said, if my husband cheats on me one time, I'm going to forgive him. I'm not going to tell him that. But when she goes down, why she said, I'm not going to throw away everything that we built for that one time. And so when she said it, I kind of took that to heart. And I'm like, you know what? I would never tell him. But depending on the circumstances and depending on whether or not there's an outside baby, because she doesn't be working. Mm. But if, if he went out and she did his thing and he was transparent about it, not that I found out, but if he came to me, like a grown man and told me then, yeah, I, I would, it would not be a deal breaker. I would continue on. We would get the counseling that we need and we would try to work it out. 
And, yeah. and I'm definitely one of those women who can forgive. I won't forget, but I won't bring it up. That's a problem that a lot of people have. But they bring it up over and over and over and over again, and they tear up their marriage from the inside out. Right. When you say you're forgiving, you got to forgive. Nobody told you to forget. But if you say you're forgiving someone that's in a marriage or in a relationship, you cannot bring it up every week because if that's the case, leave. Let's go. Right. I agree. <laughs> and to be honest, and I had this conversation with a friend of mine who's married, and she was saying if her same thing, if her husband ever cheated, she would be done. And I'm actually divorced. And okay. she was surprised by my what, what I told her. I said, I actually don't feel cheating is a deal breaker. Because right. here's my thing. Once again, I think some things are... I think you can't generalize cheating. I honestly think sometimes people can make an honest mistake. Okay? Am right. I saying, oh, right. anyone that gets with me, oh, oh she just said... She she okay with cheating? No, that's not what I said. Disclaimer, you know. So I'm not saying, oh, start, you know, get with me and I'm cool with cheating. All I'm saying is, if you have a solid relationship, there are some instances where a person can make a mis a mistake, okay. And if they're sincerely sorry, and this was just truly a mistake, you know, hey, I think it's possible to work past it, especially. If you guys have a history together, or if you just truly love one another, or if there's, you know, a family that you've built and you really, truly love one another and that person made a mistake and it's not all men, like we just already discussed, there's women who cheat too. I don't feel like that's a reason to say, oh, well, you cheated, so we're just going to piss away everything we built. To me, that's honestly immature, you know, and I know right. that's not the popular answer because a lot of people are the exact opposite you know i think the the popular answer is oh if they cheat that's it and i I really think people need to reconsider that and i'm not saying accept habitual cheaters i'm definitely not saying that and i'm not saying you know to accept being disrespected either you know because i do think there's a fine line but i do think sometimes people make mistakes you know and people acknowledge their mistakes sometimes and they're humble and they want to move past it. And I don't feel, you know, right. that should be the end all be all. There are some instances, well, yeah, you know, maybe if this person is a habitual cheater, they just literally have no respect. Should you tolerate that? No. But, right. you know, right. I'm just saying sometimes, you know, there are some situations where a person truly has made a mistake. And, I, you know, I will say that. Right. Right, now, but you know what, also with, with that making a mistake, you made a good point when you talked about habitual cheating. Now, if this person has, now, like, I can say this, I had a situation where the guy had four other women. Mm. <laughs> All at the same time, so that does not roll up into one mistake because it was at the same time. We're talking four Right, women. now that's no. different. <laughs> that's just bold. <laughs> You know, but yes. that was a no. <laughs> right, correct. And, you know, there's a definite fine line, you know, and and also too, let's say and let's say you're in a marriage and a person has right. made a mistake and they've admitted it, uh-huh. they've worked through it and they're willing to give you your time to get over it. Because that's one thing I noticed in just even some situations I've been in, the person may have cheated and the other person's upset and they want to work it out. But then the other person is not giving the person that was cheating on the proper timeline to get over it. You know, it's just like, okay, 
you cheated on a Friday. We're not going to be cool by Tuesday. Like, okay, there's a process involved. You know, at least give that person that credit, you know, to let them get over it if they're willing to work it out. You know, I think, and that's why I just feel like people can work past it, but it has to take two very mature people. Not just the yeah. person that's accepting and saying, oh, well, you know, I want to, I'll still work this out. But the person that's also done the cheating needs to also give that person that time and that space and be truly sorry and be humble about it and let the person work through it. But I think sometimes people can't get past cheating because they don't allow each other to have the proper time to heal, you know, and right. I think there is a people can heal and get past things. And I'll always, you know, believe in that. Like I said, even if it's not the popular opinion, I don't feel that cheating is a deal breaker, actually. Right. If you right. have a true solid relationship, you know, just talking it out, being honest, I think there's always a way to work past things. I, I do admit that, you know, and like I said, that I don't think that's the popular opinion, but that's my opinion. And I've always been felt strongly about that, that, you know, I don't feel that cheating is the end all be all to a relationship. Right. Because when I hear that, I always my next question is, OK, give, give me the situation. And some people are like, uh, there shouldn't be a situation. He did. I'm like, nah, I want to hear the rest of it. Like, <laughs> right. like what, what else What else is involved in this? They just, when you hear cheating, some people are like, nope, there's nothing else to say. You cheated, period. Okay, well, throw, throw your marriage away. <laughs> There are two sides to every story. And, you know, sometimes (laughs) we also get wrapped up in playing the victim. You know, not that I'm saying it's the other person's (laughs) fault that another person has cheated, but sometimes there's cracks before that has taken place that needs to be filled. You know, so I just think it takes a level of honesty for people to acknowledge, okay, what were the problems in this relationship before this happened? and right. make an adult decision. There are some situations where, yeah, this person cheated, and nine times out of ten, I would think there's other issues as well, and it's like, okay, we're just going to walk away from this. And I don't knock that either, but all I'm saying is just look through the situation first before you throw away, you know, a, a relationship, especially a marriage, I mean. But also, I even right. was listening to The Breakfast Club this morning, and it was actually a replay because I think they were off today <laughs> because of President's Day. But they were playing a clip from Love and Hip Hop where Christy and Jim Jones were talking and he was saying he wanted to get married. And she said she, at this point she felt it was, you know, she really didn't. So they were having people call in to ask them what did they think about that. And a lot of people were like, oh, I think marriage is just a piece of paper. I don't think marriage is just a piece of paper. Okay. I don't either. And I think that's why some people are so quick to leave their marriages because they really do have this low opinion of marriage. And I definitely don't think it's just a piece of paper, you know. So and that's another reason I'm like, if you're in a marriage and someone has cheated, I wouldn't be so quick to just walk away from it. You know, I'm not like I said, I don't agree with people that's married. And one of the parties is a habitual cheater. At that point, it's like you shouldn't you, you don't belong in a marriage. But like I said, and I'll say it again, if you're right. in an actual marriage and someone has made a mistake, it is worth it to try and see if you can work it out. I'm not saying you have to, but it is worth it to just see. You know, there's no harm in seeing if if, if it's possible to work through it. And I think there's instances where it can be worked through. Not all instances, but there are some. Right, right. Oh, definitely, definitely. So I'm like, yeah, it's, it's definitely not a deal breaker. So we're on the same page with that. Right. And like I said, I know we didn't just get the popular opinion <laughs> on that subject. <laughs> you know, it's a 
people that's gonna be mad. They like, right. what in the world? Right, and like, they really got no self-esteem. They right. women just said that, right? They must put up with anything. No, that's not the case. But you know, I just feel like there's just some situations where you just shouldn't toss it out. And then on the flip side, there's some situations where, yeah, you sh- definitely shouldn't deal with it. And this is coming from a person that just ended something this weekend. So trust me, I'm not telling people oh, wow. to put up with nonsense. I'm definitely <laughs> wow. not. I didn't end a marriage. Okay. I've been divorced for years, but you know, I ended a situation Don't with someone I was you. dating because it just wasn't serving me anymore. And so I'm just like, okay, this is not working like for that. me. It wasn't serving me anymore. Right. It's, it's just not working for me. It's not serving my purposes or my level of happiness or things that I feel that I deserve. So I'm like, okay, I'm done with it, you know, and it is what it is. Um, right. So anybody listening, they can definitely check themselves before they say that I'm just telling people to put up with nonsense because I'm not, <laughs> but I'm just saying there are some situations and, where you shouldn't walk away is all I'm saying. It's worth it. It's, it's worth giving it your all. Then, another chance and see and this is me on the flip side of it when i was the cheater i understand i was just misguided i was making mistakes and then i grew up <laughs> mm. so it was i can understand that these aren't what, what's the little thing that goes around now are you gonna you gonna throw out throw out the whole man <laughs> right <laughs> you gonna throw away the whole woman <laughs> right right just throw it all the way <laughs> like sit down and see if see what you're doing with it that's taking that the thing you gotta know. You gotta know your spouse. You gotta know your mate. What, what kind of person are you dealing with in the first place? Right. It, are they habitual with it? Is it what, what, do they disrespect you? Like, so it, like I said, it's more than just I cheated. Leave me alone. Like, go away from me. So, right. Yeah, that's not the popular answer, but it's the truth. That's that's my honesty. Right. And that's why I definitely think, you know, everything depends on that person. Because like you said, if you know your partner, truly know them, and you you should know what's really the deal breaker. Like, we, we're not, you know, we all know how to, if we truly know a partner, we know certain lines that we can and cannot cross, I think. You know, whether we want to admit it or not. So, I think that's what it boils down to. In a lot of ways, it's like, okay, you know, basically, because there's some people, if you know, let's say, for example, if you have a partner who you know for a fact is one of those people who are like, okay, if you cheat, I am done. You may think <laughs> twice before you cheat on that person, you know, because is, is it worth it if you know you really do no, and no, have one of those people that's like, okay, I'm totally done. So... You know, yeah. I was watching the show. I don't know if you watch. Do you watch The Real? I do watch it occasionally. Uh, I do. Um, one of them, and I'm not going to put them on bad, but one particular said that, yeah, that that's a deal breaker for her. Mm. And I remember when she said it, I said to myself, I said, well, I pray to God she's never in that situation. Because right. It's easier to say now that it hasn't happened yet. Right, and we're gonna see if you say the same thing. So that's why I say when women say that, I'm like, ah, don't put the foot in your mouth, just keep to yourself. That's true. Throw that right back in your face because you said it on television, bitch. <laughs> right, because you never know. You really, you never yeah, know. Uh, you don't know what you go. Absolutely you know what you not. <laughs> nope. So before we round out this episode, is there any other topic? that you talk about in your books that we can round out this whole discussion with? Well, 
Uh, one thing that I, I would like to round it out with, in one of the spinoff books, Deshaun, How It All Starts, uh, he and I, we, uh, like I said, that was one of the characters from the main book, Tangled in a Lover's Web. We talked about society accepting black men who have been incarcerated mm. and who have gone in and they, they've changed their lives and they're trying to be better. So it's someone judging you by your past. So that's something that I hold near and dear. Because in the past, I have dated several uh, black men who have been selling, or they are selling. And I get judged for that, but they don't show me that criminal part. I don't, that was their past, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. So a lot of people in society are judgmental. So I'm like, once they go in and they come out to you, they're still criminals? That's not very fair. So it, that's, that's a topic that is discussed in that second book and part of tangled in a lover's web towards the end. Someone gets out of prison and they're trying to change, but no one around them will allow them to be this, this changed person. So that, like I said, I, I believe in second chances for felons. I believe that society should definitely have more um, rehabilitation programs and not just throw them in prison and, you know, uh, lock them away and then let them out. I'm like, okay, what have, what have you put in place? them or did you, did you give them an opportunity to actually uh, get a career and is the world accepting of them when they come out because if not then that's a vicious cycle I mean we're actually taking part in that is true <laughs> I agree with that if you incarcerate someone and you do absolutely nothing while they're incarcerated to educate and rehabilitate them what is the point like you really are like opening the door for them to come back and they may, that may be a broad statement but that's always been my perception of that. Like, that should be the whole purpose, I feel like. Why just lock people up and not do anything to work with them? Right. Right. And then have, when they come out, have um, positions in place. And I'm talking about giving them a chance and it's, it's decent jobs. Like, I know that there, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with some of the, the jobs that I see them in, and I don't want to call them out because I don't want to offend anybody that's, in those, you know, in those positions, but a lot, I hear a lot of, well, they won't hire me because of my background, but there was, I made that mistake when I was 17, 18, 19. So that's, again, that's something that I would like to round it out, I think that all in all, in all of my books, I talk about judging people and people having the opportunity to change and for the world to be able to receive the new person in a positive way. That's whether they're cheating, whether they've committed a crime, uh, what have you, whether they made any other type of mistake in their life and maybe they didn't get in trouble for it, but you know they did it. Are we willing to accept them as the new person that they're trying to become? Mm, that's a very interesting point. <laughs> and you said you found that when you dated people that had been incarcerated that you were also judged? Oh, yeah. One thing, and... and a lot of people were like, well, how can they say that about me? They don't even know me. Like my own parents. Mm. My, my mom is, interestingly enough, my mother is more accepting of it than my father. Mm. But with my parents, with my um, um, friends, they may make a comment like, well, that's what you do when you date a jailbird. You know? Wow. So, it, yeah, so it's just interesting. And honestly, it, it put me in a situation where as is, this may be something that I may have, someone that I may have cared about and I'm trying to think like what kind of life would I have if I actually ended up with them with how is this going to be 
will my world accept them? Like, I'm an educator, and I'm around all these college-educated people. You know, so it, it, it put me in a crazy headspace each time wow. I did it. Did you find that it would be things that would be just normal relationship couple things, but they would kind of blow it out of proportion because that other, your partner had been incarcerated? Oh, yeah, because that, that's always the go-to. Well, that's oh, what wow. you get when you... <laughs> it's like, that's, that's the automatic button. I'm like, well, you do know that I dated some people that have never been incarcerated, and they did the same stuff, So you you saying that that's the problem? Because they've been in jail? Come on now. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. So that it's just it's an easy target to, to blame somebody for a mistake that they made and make that and hold that over their head for the rest of their life. It's easy. That's that's what you're gonna go with, they're criminal. Right. And how can a person have any success if they're constantly being judged? So that is pretty bad. And another thing I I see a lot of um guys that I know like that, not just ones that I've dated, not a lot of guys that I know like that. They tend to stick to what's familiar to them because they're afraid. It's almost like in their mind, they may not be doing the same things, but they remain in the same places, in the same headspace because they're, they know it's almost like within themselves, they haven't accepted that they're no longer that person anymore. Mm. It's crazy. So it's, it's, it's what that, that's the term institutionalized. You, right. Being this way, you would. You were put in prison for doing these things, and then you come out. You may not do those things anymore, but you still think that way. Wow. So it is. Oh man, I could I could speak for days on it because I've I've always just been an open-minded person. That's why I have not scratched the surface as a writer on the thing. Some things I haven't written about yet because they are so based on reality that some of the people that read them may be offended. And then I was reading a quote, but it I don't know if it was. It may have been Stephen King, um, but the, the quote said something about uh, if you're a writer, I'm, I'm giving the gist of it, if you're a writer, then be prepared to not have any friends. Mm. I'm like, yeah, that's true, because it takes me back to the whole best man movie. When you write your your truth, you may offend people, and but that's what you, you know, how do you hold back? on what's inside of you and that's that's what I'm struggling with right now I got so many stories but the people if certain people read them they're going to be upset with me I'm like oh god well (laughs) but but to be honest you know even with my podcast I don't feel like I say the popular opinion on certain things so I feel like if certain people were to listen they would be like really seriously (laughs) you know so I think that just comes with being an artist, you know, um, mm-hmm. just like, you oh, know, yeah. Oh, yeah. so I definitely would go ahead, girl, and put that stuff on paper, you know, people will deal with it. And change the names to protect the innocent. <laughs> hey, you know, people will deal with it, you know, and you'd be surprised sometimes that unpopular opinion, several other people share that same opinion, like you never yes. know. Yes, indeed. So, yes, yes, yes. Um, so, but like I said, I definitely would go ahead and write it. You never know. Like, I promise you there'll be other people <laughs> agreeing with you. I mean, look at us. We both agree now, with. I, I think I'm, I I'm going to go ahead. When I finish with this ain't what you want, I promise, because that's going to make some people mad, too, because <laughs> all of those stories are, are very close to true. I'm, I'm, that's going to be my, my disclaimer. I'm not going to just come right out and say they're true, but I'm going to say they're close to true. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm changing the names around, though. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. You don't want um, any identifying um, incriminating information, but hey, go <laughs> ahead and write those stories. Definitely. So I wanted to thank you. You know, I just wanted to cover like a lot of the different things, you know, that you've written thank about, you. which are really excellent. But before we round out everything, please, please, please tell everyone where they can go to locate your work. Absolutely. My work is, as of right now, the ebooks for Tangled in a Lover's Web, Be Sean, How It All Starts, and Lacey, Caviar to Collard Green are exclusively on Amazon. The ebooks are free with Kindle Unlimited membership. The print books are on Amazon and on Barnes and Noble. So if you would like to go to Barnes and Noble, you could actually walk into a store and order it at the counter. I had some people that told me they didn't have credit cards. Well, you can pay at the counter and they will ship it to you. But again, the ebooks are all available exclusively on Amazon.com and free with Kindle Unlimited membership. That is awesome. And also give um, the listeners your Instagram handle as well, in case anyone wants to go follow you on Instagram. Sure. I would love, love, love for you guys to follow me on Instagram. I am at China, C-H-I-N-A underscore T-H-E underscore writer. Again, that's at China underscore the underscore writer. I would love to see you guys on Instagram. Like, don't be afraid about what I post because <laughs> I do not hold my tongue. <laughs> they will love it. Also, I guarantee. I want to say every Sunday I post, I call it Sugar Free Sunday. That's where that's my no hold bar. So anything will go up on a Sunday. So just get ready for it. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, once again, I really enjoyed this cute chat with you, Miss China. We definitely need to do this again, actually, because I think we I think there's some several topics that we could definitely talk about. Like, I definitely would love to do this again with you if you're interested. I really enjoyed myself. Sure, just let me know. I'll make myself available. I love to have it. I just felt like I talked to a girlfriend. We had a girl chat just being recorded. See, that's, that's, I love it. This is awesome. Very organic. I love it. Me too. Thank you again, Miss China. And if anyone has any questions, Miss China has put in all her contact information. And I will be posting on Instagram. I'll be publishing this episode shortly. So if you guys have any questions, just go ahead. You can either go to my Instagram, that's Queensla underscore collection, or you can go to the website, www.queensarrogance.com and just go to the computer icon and click on our podcast. And there's also a message area there too. So, but thank you everyone that's listening to the key chat. Thank you.